The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This week's Grand Slam edition of Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, is brought to you by the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com. We're also brought to you by Hameen Media and the PW Hustle, syndicated by our friends over at ndpw.com and now at the Pro Wrestling Coalition. You can find Destino wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, be it Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, Apple, Google, or iHeartRadio. On today's episode, I'm joined by the vet from over at the Hameen Media Group to talk about Wrestle Grand Slam, a preview for the G1 Climax, as well as a whole bunch of other topics. Also got a brief stardom report to get you caught up on the five-star Grand Prix. So much to talk about on this week's episode, but first, my friends from Down Under, this is Knife Party. You blocked me on Facebook, and now you're going to die. live inside of the 203 coming at you today to talk some wrestle grand slam and of course we've got some big announcements that we want to go over as well we'll also try to get a stardom update in here i am joined today by the vet it's been a while man hell i think i actually moved i'm not sure that i've had you inside of the 203 studio yet so so welcome to the new studio welcome to the new crib how you been how are things Man, I've been great other than the fact that I haven't been on Destino for a while. That's uh and and I'm sure Destino missed me too um with all due respect to the the guests that you've had in the meantime, but uh the uh the the new studio looks really nice. It's cool. This is the first time I've been here. Um but it, it, whether it's the studio, whether it's back on Destino, wherever it is, I'm excited to be here. So uh we we've got quite a bit we could uh, talk about. Um it is a crazy time inside of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I actually had, I, I guess we'll start here. Um, my friend Tim from over at Armbar Audio, if you want a full preview of the Five Star Grand Prix, you can go over and find that on their feed. I believe I also released it here on Destino. He hits me up the other day, and he says, why does everybody hate New Japan all of a sudden? And I'm just like, what? And he's like, I'm seeing like all this hatred for New Japan all of a sudden. And I'm just like, well, okay, evidently I wasn't clued into this. And so then I started poking around a little bit. And it does seem like as AEW is picking up some steam here in the United States that a lot of the Western fan base is kind of bored with New Japan. Things seem a little stale. The roster seems a little thin. We're seeing the same matches over and over, sometimes four to five times a week. Um Vet, where are you at with New Japan right now? Uh, I can sort of understand the concerns that people may be having, but I have the perspective at least to know that there are reasons for these concerns. I mean, there a lot of the stuff has to do with uh, the restrictions that are placed upon um, live events and everything during the COVID era. So, like, the reasons that people aren't where they're supposed to be is because they're trying to, uh, you know, keep everybody safe, I guess, you know, people are getting 
testing positive for things and they they're missing shows like they're they're also trying to do more stuff you know over stateside so they're they're like and i think all that is basically as a direct result of the same conditions they've been they were the first company to get up and running like with real Mm -hmm. fans back in attendance and stuff like that but um you know it it has been just a little bit watered down and it's going to be like that as long as we're in this situation that we're in so like just knowing that like i kind of give them a pass i think they're doing the best that they can uh given the circumstances um but you know the product itself is no different really as as far as like the quality that you're getting and the frequency of which uh you're getting the stuff um so I mean, I guess, but you know how wrestling fans are. They just, anything that's slightly different, they like to just get out there and complain loudly. So, um, I mean, you could definitely say that, you know, I don't know if AEW has been making the waves that they should be making considering all the moves they've made. You know, like the product doesn't look any different. You're just adding names. And it hasn't shown in the ratings yet. That's for sure. No. And and I get that too. Like that'll take time because you need that. You need the people. You could kind of look at the way CM Punk approached AEW as the way everybody approaches AEW. Like I'll invest in this when it's got a track record of consistency. So, you know, why, why join, why start watching AEW randomly uh, when you don't really know what's going on and you have no reason to, to care. Well, I guess while we're talking about AEW, obviously we we had an AEW match go down at all out with uh, Satoshi Kojima going over to take on John Moxley. Um, match went pretty much how I expected it would. I thought Kojima looked good in it, represented himself and New Japan very well. And then we get really, in my mind anyway, the biggest shock of the night. I mean, people were expecting Brian Danielson at some point. They were expecting Adam Cole at some point, Ruby Riot, Ruby Soho. Um, but Minoru Suzuki comes walking out and now we're going to get Minoru Suzuki versus John Moxley here in the United States. And I made the comment the other day on the PWC. These are two guys kind of like Kevin Steen and El Generico. They can go ahead and fight forever because every match is fantastic. I saw it in the Tokyo Dome and I can't wait to see it again Wednesday night in Cincinnati. Well, I'm definitely not as high on John Moxley uh, as some people are. And I'd rather not see any John Moxley if I can help it because he's the shits. But I mean, and he's going to go over. So you also know that of course. Which is very sad and disappointing. Um, so it's not that exciting to me, but I, I do like when a guy like Suzuki can come to the United States and feel welcomed by the fans. Like, yes, we know who you are, you know, you know, hearing the crowd response, they're not able to sing the lyrics in Japan. So having Chicago would be able to do it is something he's probably been missing for a while. And, and it it would, you know, it, it would be a terrible feeling to walk into a building and just have everybody be quiet during that part, but that's not going to happen. So, um, so I, I feel good for him in that sense and that he's getting these paydays that he's about to get. Oh yes. Um, but I, in any, any chance I get to not see John Moxley, that's also, you know, 
I, I take those chances where I can get them. But I will take every chance that I can get to see Minoru Suzuki. I, that sure. Absolutely. I enjoy me some murder, Grandpa. Even though I was terrified, he was only like some four hours away from my home the other day, and I didn't know it. So that that makes me a little weary. I will be checking under the bed today. Um, uh, yeah, you're, you should be safe. You should be safe. The, I guess the bigger concern from a New Japan perspective anyway uh, Suzuki, not going to be in the G1. John Moxley, not going to be in the G1. Switchblade Jay White, we were talking about off air. He's been doing some work with Impact Wrestling. Now he's here in the States doing New Japan Strong. Not going to be in the G1. Uh, how, how do you feel about this, the expansion right now? Because I don't feel like the benefit at this point is worth... I, we're going to talk about the G1 participants a little bit later on in the show, but people are very underwhelmed by this year's field. And a lot of it, it's just travel restrictions and the quarantine rules. And I, I mean, I get it, but it's very underwhelming for the G1. Yeah. A lot of guys, I, I mean, there, there was only like a few new entrants about the same as, as every year, but it is just, it does just seem a little watered down. But that's not as big of a problem anyway, because only one guy wins it. So it doesn't right. really matter. Like you you had every other guy that's not going to win. I'm sure whoever they wanted to win is going to win regardless. And he's in it. So whoever that is, whoever they choose. And as we've seen these past couple of years, you never know what they're going to do. You know, I thought for sure a couple of times this year that I knew how these matches were going to go. And they went in another direction. And that's not normal for New Japan. I mean, they're predictable, but in a good way. Like. You, when something happens, you're like, yes, that should have happened. That's exactly what should have happened. And I like that that happened. Yep. These ones, they kind of are like, mm, I'm going to have to give you the benefit of the doubt on this one and see where you're going with this because uh, it's not what I would have done. So in, in that sense, it's been a little bit surprising. As for the expansion, I think one of the mistakes <clears throat> excuse me, that New Japan makes um, and lots of companies make, uh, to be honest, is like if you're going to expand in America, I guess they feel like they need uh, a certain uh, certain roster, you know, like that the, they want to have um, non-Japanese people to represent New Japan. Well, New Japan fans don't want that. What they want is what everybody wants. We want the stars, whoever the stars are. If the stars just so happen to be, you know, like an English speaker like a Jay White or a Will Ospreay, okay. But you're not going to, you know, just just throwing a, a random David Finley out there is not going to excite anybody. I'm sorry. No. Like, with all due respect to the Finley family, it's not going to, he's not going to cut it. But you also, you can't, um, you can't take the guys that you expect to draw at home, like the Okadas, the Naitos, you know, like you can't take them and just, have right. them just go back and forth to America and, and it's, it's too much. So it, it's kind of like, uh, it's a thing where I would like the expansion to be, they just come over for big special events a couple of times a year. So you can have the entire roster that's going to draw. Um, I, I don't really think people are going to buy that many tickets to see just the same kind of people that you could see anywhere. Right. You know? 
Yep, absolutely. I completely agree. One of the other big changes going on inside of New Japan at this point, and we've seen it a little bit over the last couple of years at Wrestle Kingdom, Stardom had a couple of matches inside of the Tokyo Dome, but they were dark matches. Um, this is all because of the TV deals that were already in place when Bushi Road bought Stardom. Um, okay. So now we are starting to see where we're starting to see a little bit of overlap. We had a couple of Stardom matches on the Wrestle Grand Slam shows coming to us from the MetLife Dome. Both nights opening up the show, but hey, progress is progress. I'm just not sure I want to see stardom matches on a New Japan show. And that's not because I'm sexist. It's because of the way that the promotions function. It's more like the, the NBA and a WNBA game. They're both kind of their own thing. What do you think? Do you like seeing stardom matches on New Japan shows? or Because I know you, you watched a couple of stardom shows with me here not too awful long ago. Um, were, were you happy to see these talents again? Where, where were you at with the stardom matches? Yes, I was happy to see them again. And I've got a, I've got a question for you, uh, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, I think it's fine because essentially these are dark matches. I mean, they just we just got to see them. You know, that's... Right. That but is the difference. Progress so, is progress, right? Right. And it's uh, it could just be something like it, it's probably because, again, you have to look at the situation. They have to make up for revenue lost. You had an entire dome with the, the same amount of people that could probably fit in Cork and Hall on a, on a good day. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's just the reality that we're living in at the moment. So they have to make up some of that revenue. Um, and they've got to get eyes on stardom. So I'm sure that they're just thinking like if you bought your ticket to see the live event or if you are, got a New Japan World subscription and you get a chance to check these ladies out and you see what you like, you might go look at stardom some more. I mean, it makes business sense, right? So absolutely. And, and you're not really taking anything away from the show because, again, it's like this is like the 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 pre pre show dark match and it's so it's like okay you, probably no one's gonna see this and when they when they you know do these matches again whatever matches they use for TV later because they do the old magazine style shows over there don't mm -hmm. they they don't have a weekly uh t like weekly live TV no it's basically like superstars so you see matches that are like months and months old and whatever and probably no one's gonna see those but it's basically um, the same show that people are seeing on their Roku's right now yes exactly so. Um, so, but I, I think it's, I think it's fine. I do, I do agree with you that the promotion should be kept separate, uh, you know, but little things like this to sort of just, just as like a boost, as long as it doesn't become like a normal thing, um, I'm, I'm cool with it. So here's my question for you. So the last time, uh, that I watched, um, any stardom stuff, uh, Julia was, she was very, Mm, she had a different gimmick than she has now, boy. Yeah. This well, this was kind of like, and, and I was like, as soon as I saw this, I was like, man, I'm going to ask Jargo about this, whether, yeah. before, you know, whether we do a podcast or not, I got, I got to find out because this would be like what I saw the best, best way I can describe it is this would be the equivalent of if Roman Reigns joined the new day. Yeah. Or, or maybe the Lucha house party. Um, <laughs> I, w I was taken aback by it, and I watched Stardom on a regular basis. They came out doing the whole little dance routine, and I was like, well, 
what the hell is happening right now? Um, so the, the way that they kind of put it over on the commentary is when you get the tag team, when you get the grouping of Julia and Shuri, this is what you get. When you when it's a singles match, then Julia goes to a, a different part of her character and presentation, and that's when she's busting out the fatigues and whatnot. And I guess I, I haven't seen these two in a tag match for a little while because they're in the five-star Grand Prix right now, which is basically the stardom version of the G1. So I don't know if this is something that they've just been kind of working on behind the scenes or what, but they both Shuri and Julia completely different get-ups, but they matched. It's like they're trying to do something together as a team, but it's still very, very separate from what they're doing as singles characters. Oh, okay, I see. So this was sort of like... I don't. I don't want to say a debut, but like it's it's definitely newer. It's it's not something that I just it that I just missed because I haven't been paying attention. Right. And and the thing that was so weird about it to me watching it. It looked like Oedo tie. Oedo tie back in the day, they would do like the big dance numbers with like the kind of balloon pants and stuff. And I was like, what the hell am I watching right now? This is so freaking weird. And yeah, yeah, that was that was certainly something. Certainly something. A couple of the other talents, I know that you were high on the last time that you watched some stardom. You got to see both nights. Momo Watanabe, Sayakamatani representing Queen's Quest. Night one, they go out and defeat Lady C and Micah. Lady C, another one that I know that you had your eye on. Uh, she is currently being courted by all of the factions. It seems like she is going to have her pick of the litter. So she's kind of tagging with individual members from all the different factions and, of course, losing every match until she finally finds her landing spot. What did you think of the opening match of night one of Wrestle Grand? slam mm, well you know it's typical but um i i i do remember lady c so she's sort of in a sort of a like a limbo between a young lioness and uh right you know an established person now so so she she's coming along you know she's got she she long i say long she's got a long look to her she's kind of tall um so I, I i can understand like the the interest there um and momo like i was big into because she just some whooping some bitches asses last time right. uh she didn't whoop as many asses this time but you know she had to split the ass whoopings as a tag and but she laid a couple of kicks in there so so i was happy i'm, I'm, I'm always happy when people get beat up in a safe way um so <laughs> i'm always happy when people get up at, beat up in a safe way love it that's freaking that's classic Best best way best way to describe it as as a worker like I, I want to see something that looks good you know but I know they're not gonna have to go to the hospital after you know <laughs> well a couple of guys who might have to go to the hospital after this past weekend Robbie Eagles and Hiromu Takahashi of course getting ready for a big collision on night two for the IWGP Junior Title on night one they're in a preview tag match Tiger Mask and Robbie Eagles which kind of turned out to be a little bit of a preview as as well defeat the team of Bushi and Hiromu in 11 minutes and 40 seconds with the Ron Miller special. Hiromu and Robbie Eagles seem like they have incredible chemistry together that seems very, very out of place 
Like I would not expect those two guys to have the chemistry that they do, but it really, really clicks. Tiger Mask going through a little bit of a resurgence with a, a thinner roster. He's being featured more. And then you have Bushi who just can't catch a break. But the new mask is cool. Yes. Um, he can't catch a break. He never will at this point. I don't think it's about catching a break anymore. But his role on the show is to be the best dressed. So as long as he's doing that, he's always going to go over in, in our hearts. Um, but yeah, I now Robbie Eagles was one of those. That was kind of a surprise to me. Yeah, when We were talking when I mentioned earlier about a couple of things that wouldn't have pulled the trigger on. That's definitely one of them. Um, I'm sure Robbie Eagles is a nice, a nice young man, but uh, I still would not necessarily feature him in this way. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's a, Maybe it's a pity thing, like, hey, kids, your dad passed away. Here's a belt type. I don't know. I um, was floored when he beat Despy. I, I did not see that coming at all. I thought El Desperado versus Hiromu, you know, kind of in, in the rematch with Hiromu coming back made all the sense in the world. And then they just kind of did Despy dirty and put the title on Robbie Eagles because clearly they want to save Hiromu Takahashi versus El Desperado for when they can do it in some kind of a bigger setting. That's the only thing sure. that made sense to me. Sure. And even even up till a certain point, you know, like it would not have been surprising for Robbie Eagles to get a win over Desperado. But you would just think at a certain point, like certain guys elevate to a certain point and then they don't really regress down to that point. So either if, if we're saying that Desperado is not slipping down the card, then we're saying that Robbie Eagles is really shooting up the card all of a sudden then. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm not a huge, not a huge fan of it. Um, but of course, you know, in this instance, getting a win, you look at the people in this match, the fall is going to have to be on Bushi. So um, every time the fall is always on Bushi. The only hope for Bushi is somehow Rocky Romero gets a run with the IWGP junior heavyweight championship. It would only be fitting that that is who Bushi would beat in order to become the IWGP junior champion. That's his only hope. You're right. You're right, Jargo, but that is not worth it. It is not <laughs> worth seeing Rocky Romero for as long as it would take to set that up. So uh, let's just go ahead and keep Bushi losing and having the best outfits in wrestling. Let's talk about a former IWGP junior tag team. Of course, I'm talking about Rapungi 3K. It has hit the fan vet. Show and Yo are done. In fact, Yo might be done altogether at this point. Show kept telling him, "You might as well just quit. You might. As well, you're not. You're not that good. I carried you. You might as well just quit." Uh, what, what did you think of the breakup of Rapungi 3K and this matchup between Show and Yo? And then we'll kind of get to zombie show or whatever the hell's going on there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the last <laughs> time we talked, we, we, we were wondering what was going to happen with Rapungi 3k and it, it hadn't happened yet. And I believe at the time when you asked me about it, I said, no, nah, they're probably not going to break them up because they're too boring. And what can you really get out of it? Right. And I think we're going to see that, that that's playing out here. I mean, I don't know what show thinks he's doing, but it's not, it's not quite right. He's and, mini evil. Yeah. Kind of, but like evil, like he looks confident in what he's doing. <laughs> I, show looks lost. He looks like Yoshihashi more than anybody. <laughs> so 
I, oh. I don't know if this is a good look for show, but I also don't like the way the actual, the breakup happened in the moment. I didn't like it. And I'll tell you why, because it's one of those things where even though they did gradual teases towards it, they didn't actually do teases with sort of like any indication from show that he was, he looked like he was feeling pity for yo. Like every time he would, you know, be defeated and it was not like a thing of disgust. And then they go and they have this whole match where they're just doing tag team moves together right up until one, one spot where yoga's caught in a hold. And then he just doesn't save him. Well, it's like, if you were going to do that, why'd you have this whole match up to then? You know, it's just the psychology on that was poor. And, you know, I think the people were stunned not only because they didn't believe that 3K would, you know, go that route, but also because it was badly executed in general and they were just confused. Um, There was no good reason to, uh, you know, to break up at that particular moment. So I would have done it differently if they were going to. But if I if I just don't want these guys to you know, do a thing anymore, do a team anymore. I probably would have just done the breakup like a, as boring as they are. Like, hey, I don't think we should be a team anymore. Okay, let's go our separate ways. And then show just, you know, show just kind of slowly goes under the wing of the bullet club rather than, you know, a, a random 180 degree turn out of nowhere in the middle of a match, like literally seconds after you've done double team moves to the other guys. This was one of the most WWE things that I've seen New Japan do in a long time. Typically, New Japan is all about the long-term storytelling, and this was about six months of creative in 60 seconds. That, that mm-hmm. That's pretty much what they did with the Rapungi 3K breakup. The only benefit of this is the match goes 24 minutes and 41 seconds. Like It might have been a good 12-minute match, that just drug on and on and on. And then, of course, we would see that show has aligned himself with evil, which makes all the sense in the world because evil goes out there and has 30 minute matches that probably would be good, you know, seven minute matches. They just go on and on and on. Maybe that's what, you know, the house of torture is. It's not about the New Japan roster. It's about us as the viewer having to watch these incredibly long, boring ass matches. Well, that that's what I said about Yujiro Takahashi being in it. That's for damn sure. Right? He he definitely belongs there. Um and Dick so. Togo. I mean, like all the way around. It is it, it is the house of torture for New Japan world. Yeah. Well, I like I like evil and I like uh a Dick Togo, whatever he d- brings to the table, I enjoy it. Um, because he's you know, just one of those old school worker guys. It's always fun to watch him just goof around in there. Same with like Jado and Gato. You just you just enjoy those guys for what they bring to it. And um, show's fine. You know, we'll see uh, how he does. Uh, I'm doing my show impression right now. Yeah, it, yeah, with the, yeah. What is like? What is what the eyes, dude? Like, I I don't know. It's I. This is what happens when <laughs> you think you should be doing something, but you don't know what to do. You know, like it. It. I don't know. It, he's gonna have to figure it out, but. Um, it's it's not um, it's not happening right away. I, I can tell you that. And did we need another junior inside of the Bullet Club? No, no, we didn't. I mean, really, do we need any of these guys inside of the Bullet Club? Can we like split these guys off from the Bullet Club and just kind of make them their own thing? No, I mean, yeah, we we're, these are like 
maybe that's what they want to do because these guys are all like, uh, they're nothing about like what the bullet club was originally about. These are all Japanese guys. So. Yeah. And I mean, the faction's already bigger than the United empire. So, I mean, what the hell? Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so I think, I think we could do that, but I mean, it, it's to me, it doesn't matter if they do or not. It's just, it's just, they just got to figure out what, whatever the individuals are doing, they got to figure that out. Yeah. Um, I was, I was making the joke that, uh, if you if you were not a New Japan fan and you were just watching, uh, and you saw Yujiro, it would you would just think this is some old guy with a cane hobbling out there for some reason. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't, you know, because his hair yep. makes him look older than he is. He look he moves like he's crippled anyways. He's got that cane. They wouldn't know it was for pimping. They would think it was for for mobility. So I, I just think that's funny how you know how a fresh set of eyes would perceive that. But it, boy, his act really hurts without Peter. He really needs that for that entire act to work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, maybe one day. My surprise of the weekend. If you would have told me I was going to watch a match between Chase Owens and Toru Yano, and the match was going to go for 28 minutes and I would be entertained for most of those 28 minutes, I would have called you crazy. It was an I quit match, and Chase Owens, you got what you asked for. He said he didn't want this goofy-ass plug-in merch-selling machine Toru Yano. He wanted the MVP. He wanted the most violent player Toru Yano, and that's what he get. Yano tried to kill Chase Owens. In the middle of a wrestling ring. Good to stab him in the eyeball if Chase Owens doesn't say I quit. Vet, I enjoyed the hell out of this match. What did you think? Um, It was all right. Uh, I mean, Chase Owens is one of those people I'd just rather not see any time that, uh, I mean, just physically unappealing to look at in general. Um, but, you know, he's a, he, he's, he's fine. He can get it done in the ring in a, in a, kind of an old school working way. That's how he came up, right? Wasn't he trained by one of the rock and roll express yep. guys or something? Yep. So, I mean, Ricky yeah. Morton. And as far as Yano, like, I know, like I, this version of Yano. Yeah. I miss this. I miss this era of Yano. I've seen it in, in, uh, in clips and stuff and in older matches, but I, I, I obviously I missed it as it was going on. So um, I need a little bit more background on that, but uh, I am, he does have heat with me though, because he did not in fact kill Chase Owens. <laughs> Chase Owens survived. So uh, yeah, he's got heat with me there, but uh, yeah. Tell me more about the most violent player. Uh, Yano was, was this part of GBH? Yep. This is when he was hanging out with Togi Makabe. Um, and th this is what Yano was. Yano was kind of that, that hardcore guy, right? And he, he was incredibly violent, but he still had that amateur wrestling background and it totally worked. The problem was at about, I don't know, 2014 or so, the talent level just completely surpassed where Yano was and what they were trying to do with the product. Um, and so Yano became a comedy figure in order to basically hold his spot on the card and it completely worked for him. But it was very nice to see this version of Yano. I almost hope that, like, this is the version of Yano we have going forward. Like, Chase Owens broke Yano. Like, Yano can't go back to what he was. Like, I, I, I could actually get behind that. A broken Yano. Kind of like what they're doing with Death Yamasan over in Stardom. I think we've seen him revert to this once or twice uh, in the somewhat recent past. I can't remember why, but... 
but I do remember him dyeing the hair and and doing this every once in a while just to just to dust it off. And yeah, that's probably what this will end up being because he's going to be in the G1. You're not going to see like a bunch of hardcore matches. You're going to see people getting taped. And you're gonna see, you're gonna see that kind of stuff. So you need and, Yano and, and, in the G1. Everybody needs that night off, right? So, um, but what was it like? What was it that when they actually made the transition to comedy wrestler? How was that? Like, how did they do it? And like, what was how was it received uh, when it first happened? It, it, that's a great question because I really don't remember. Like, it just kind of happened. You know what I mean? Like it just—he's been doing it so long that now the origin story is somewhat. It's it's kind of like the Miz, right? Like at what point did people start thinking? God, you know what? The Miz is a is really criminally underrated, and it's like, are you freaking kidding me? No, he's not. But it's like Miz spoke enough bullshit into the existence of the universe that at a certain point people started buying it. And that's kind of what happened with Yano. Like he just became this character that was like telling everybody that he was this big star and like, he's putting over all this crap and starting his YouTube show. And it just stuck. It just kind of happened. That's a great question. I'm gonna have to look into that further. Cause like, I really just don't remember there being like a big turning point. You know, it wasn't like Okada with his freaking balloons. Yeah. <laughs> right. Huh? I do kind of miss Crazy Balloon Okada. Scooby Dooby Doo? I kind of do miss it. And maybe we'll see it again because Jeff Cobb has defeated Kazuchika Okada with the tour of the islands. Like, just straight up beat him. I loved this match. I thought this match was fantastic. Again, though, it goes 27 minutes, 41 seconds. A lot of really long matches on this show, which I don't have a problem with when it's talents like Jeff Cobb and Kazuchika Okada out there just working their asses off. Jeff Cobb has improved so much over the course of the last couple of years. And Okada, at least cosmetically, looks like he's in the best shape I've seen him in in quite a while. He was extremely lean in this match. He had abs even. Almost. Yeah. Like, and you haven't seen that Okada in five years at least. Right. Um, yeah. Well, you can't help but get better if you're keep touring with New Japan. So Jeff Cobb had there to. He that. didn't have a choice but to get better. Um, not that not he was that he bad was, before. Not, not that bad, but you could definitely see some things that he shored up. Um, just general, like, uh, indie rottenness and laziness, but he's, you know, you have to get that beat out of you kind of when you got these guys working hard every night and um, this, but, but again, this, I, I questioned the decision to put Jeff Cobb over here because I think he would have gained more from a loss. I think Okada loses more from losing to Jeff Cobb. It's just not believable. It's like, um, He's he Jeff Cobb was in the G1 last year and he was Yujiro Takahashi's only win. That's not a good look. Um, you, like I just don't see this guy. I don't see United Empire. United Empire doing doing certain jobs um, may not be a good idea, but losing to the Rainmaker is not is not going to hurt them one way or the other. And I really felt like this was a bad decision. So I'm on the record for saying that. Good match though. Um, but yeah, I just, I definitely would have had Okada close on him and go home. 
Well, now this brings up a, a little bit of G1 talk. Um, because when the G1 announcement this morning, um, we, we got the full schedule for G1 has been announced. Um, so what I always do when the schedule is announced is I kind of have in my mind who I think are going to be the real contenders this year. And then I go and I look at the card announcements and I always go to the last night first to see who is going to be paired up against one another. And sure enough, Jeff Cobb and Kazuchika Okada will be facing off the final night of their block. The winner of that match will probably move on to the G1 final. I assume Okada wins there. With that in mind, do you still put Okada over here? Because if Okada beats him three times in a span of, I don't know, two, three months, whatever it's been, I kind of feel like Jeff Cobb's dead in the water. He was dead in the water when he lost to Yujiro. <laughs> That's valid. Mind, That's valid. And and I, I you know, like, if this is what they wanted to do, they shouldn't have done that. They should have thought better of Jeff Cobb in the past because he basically was just doing jobs. You know, why, why just because you take uh, three job guys and put them with Will Ospreay, all of a sudden they start to win? Well, they, they don't really. And one of them's not even there. So, um, you know, I, I'm just not buying the whole thing. But it's fine if you have the idea that these guys are saying they're great and they're really not. That's just what heels do. Um, and I, I definitely think that if you wanted to give, when you want to give guys a signature win, G1 is the perfect time to do it because it's a built-in excuse. If you have a grueling tournament, anybody can yeah. lose to anybody else on any given night. Unless it's you, Drill, then it's not excusable. But anybody else, like if Jeff Cobb was to beat Okada in the G1 final and spoil his G1 so that he doesn't go on to win. And maybe whoever goes on to win is, or, or like whoever comes out of the other block, maybe that is like the person that's going to win the whole thing. And, or maybe they think Jeff Cobb should win it. Who knows? Um, but like, I would think that the win against Okada should come in the G1, if at all, because then it's the built-in excuse. Like, He's already had a bunch of tough matches and Jeff right. Cobb's been wearing him down. He's been getting closer every time. I, I tried once, couldn't do it. Tried twice, twice being this one here, like that we're just now reviewing. And then if he couldn't do it there, then third time's the charm in the G1. I think that's a much better story. Um, and I would have gone with that. Does that sound good? Yeah. No, it makes complete sense to me. And even when Okada has beaten him, it's always been with that roll-up. He hasn't he hasn't like rainmakered his freaking head off yet. So I mean we we can still get that moment inside of the G1. Let's talk sure. let's talk about your main event, Hiroshi Tanahashi defending the IWGP United States Championship against the returning Kota Ibushi after being out for God, it felt like months with that aspirational pneumonia. Uh, we talk about how lean Okada looked. I thought Ibushi didn't look nearly as lean as I was used to seeing him. This match only goes 17 minutes and 47 seconds. Now, with all the long match times that we have talked about on this show, this one actually seemed pretty reasonable. Tanahashi wins with the high fly flow. We've seen these two guys fight together we've seen them fight one another everything at this point it's always a good match what did you make out of tanahashi abushi 813 mm, not as good as 765 <laughs> i'll tell you that boy 
No, it, no, it was it was fine. I, I like the shorter match made sense. I, I'm not sure where his uh, where Ibushi's wind is at. Right. I mean, you don't you don't go like if he would have had a warm up match before this, we would have seen it because that's what New right. Japan World is for. So um, we know this is his first match back, and there's nothing like being in the ring. So he probably did his best. Now I wonder, um, to your point about him looking lean, like I wonder if that was part of him getting sick in the first place because yeah. we see a guy that comes out and he looks like shredded to the bone and just kind of jacked and shredded at the same time. And like, you look at that and you're like, man, that's gotta be a healthy motherfucker. Well, not necessarily. In fact, it's very unhealthy to have a low body percent, a low body fat percentage that Ibushi has. Like you're not supposed to walk around at that low body fat. So you're, you're a, a susceptible to all kinds of, uh, diseases and you know germs viruses whatever so like it's you know your body's trying to repair the damage you're doing just to look good right. and now it can't fight off the things that could possibly infect you so um it's it's not even though that's what we in our mind perceive as healthy it's not really uh ask any bodybuilder how good they feel on competition day so right. um so in that in that sense that may have contributed to uh, him being out for so long in general, just a, just a hypothesis, um, just a gut feeling. I don't have any inside info, but, um, but yeah, so he, he comes back and it's, uh, a strong win for Tanahashi here. And it makes sense using real life events to explain why it's so easy for a guy like Tanahashi, who's, you know, he's more into making guys at this point in his career. But, um, uh, the, the cool thing about the ACE character is that you just feel like on any given night, boy, yep. it's, he can be the, he can be the old ACE. So, um, which is ironically the young ACE. Well, like uh, the Tokyo so, dome. I mean, him and Shingo burned down the freaking Tokyo dome. It was incredible. Yep. Yep. And you know that that's just what Tanahashi can do. And he's always going to be that guy. Um, so, I'm always rooting for him. Like, you know, that it's like even, even a jaded, uh, bitter old guy like me is like, so I see Tanahashi and it, it, it just, it just warms my heart. Like just remembering what real pro wrestling is, you know, right. it's even the, even what he talks about in his promos is kind of that, like, this is, this is the essence of what we all kind of grew up on. He's almost like the embodiment of all of our investment into this ridiculous thing that we like. Is just just the way he takes it seriously and tries to hold it up despite all the things that are you know rightly dragging it down. So uh, so I always get a little a little bit of my my childlike glee back when I get to see uh, Tanahashi perform. This was no different, and hopefully um, he's because he's going to be in this G1. That's nice. Um, and whenever he gets to do a tour of America, it'll be a treat for a lot of American people to either see somebody they've always wanted to see live or witness this person for the first time and, and let him work his magic. Tanahashi is timeless. It's incredible. Cause I feel like when he won the G one three years ago, I felt like this was it. This was the last big run of Hiroshi Tanahashi. And he just keeps doing it i mean he just keeps going out there and having incredible matches it's like as as his body has begun to break down he has come become so much smarter in the ring when it comes to the psychology and the way that he's laying out his matches to make things work for him and it's so good right now so good absolutely love it uh your other big announcement that we would see on this show before we move on to night two vet 
Wrestle Kingdom is coming. We knew Wrestle Kingdom was coming. We knew Wrestle Kingdom was going to happen on January 4th. We thought there was a good chance that they might run two dome shows. They are going to run as well on January 5th. And then the bomb hit. We're going to run a third night of Wrestle Kingdom January 8th in Yokohama. It's not going to be inside of the Tokyo Dome. Three Wrestle Kingdom shows? Do we... Can I, I handle three Wrestle Kingdom shows in a week? Can they handle three Wrestle Kingdom shows in a week? You've already got a Holy crap. Um, I don't know. When I saw the announcement, I kind of just thought, well, it doesn't really matter what you call it, does it? Like, everything that they do, everything that anybody does, it's just a card full of wrestling matches back to back. You can name right. it whatever the hell you want. Um, it's not, you know, Wrestle Kingdom was just, you know, a bunch of matches. And same thing as Dominion is a bunch of matches. And, 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 and while I agree with that, and that's entirely true, one of the big characteristics of Wrestle Kingdom is that freaking set. You're going to transport that set from the freaking Tokyo Dome to Yokohama? Holy crap. Well, um, I guess we'll see, but this is probably going to show you that uh, they tried running the um, they tried running the Wrestle Kingdom two-night show, so they're going to have like a quarter dome each night, hopefully to get a total of a gate of half a dome, and now they're going to need to run three just to get maybe half a dome. Yeah, you bring that up. You, you you bring that up, and I, I did want to talk a little bit about the MetLife Dome. Um, night one, the MetLife Dome, they had what was it, two thousand and ninety five people in there. That place will hold thirty five thousand people. Night two, they had like twenty seven hundred and some. That place will hold thirty five thousand people. The, even there. This is such a diminishing return at this point. They're running so many shows to try to recap, recoup revenue, mm-hmm. and it's just burning fans out. I mean, I even I can't watch all these stinking shows. Yeah, I think more people would have gone to them if they, again, if we weren't in a lockdown type situation. It's It's definitely because of that. And you don't just simply walk into the MetLife Dome and say, hey, we're running a show here. So they probably booked these shows, they probably booked these buildings before there was a pandemic. And by the time they finally got to run them, it's like, oh shit, well, okay. We should have had 70,000 people. Instead, we had almost five. Right. And that's, that's why. So I don't know all that stuff because, you know, Japan keeps things very close to the vest and they're not forthcoming with a lot of information. So, um, you know, a lot of what we have to, we kind of rely on Meltzer for certain things and that's always a crapshoot. Um, but I'll just say like, I sympathize with them. I understand they're, they're trying to, they're trying to run more shows just to get the equivalent of what the gate would have been at a single show under ideal conditions. Um, but as for wrestle kingdom being three nights, like, uh, I guess, I mean, this is, this is kind of how things are going to have to be for a little while. It looks like, but it definitely takes some of the specialness away. I'm not really a fan of the two night uh, gimmick um, unless you had, like I could see if it was, you know, like the one year they did it when there was no pandemic, it's like, well, this was such a big hot card. You couldn't fit it onto one show. So like, I, at least I get that if you have enough hot matches, but uh, you know, they don't. Um, So this is really just, 
going to be egregious at this point. But again, I sympathize. At least I understand why they're doing it. The only saving grace is they've only been putting like five matches on a show. So at least at least they're not running like, you know, the five hour shows, you know, so that so that does help a little bit. Let's talk about Sunday. Uh, on Sunday, we have the Donna Del Mundo team of Shuri and Julia defeat Queen's Quest, 11 minutes and 31 seconds. Not a whole lot to talk about inside of the world of stardom. It might have been, you know, if, if, if the challengers would have gotten the win. But your stardom update currently, as of yesterday, Monday, September 6th, here are the standings for the five star grand prix red stars block starlight kid leading the way with seven points momo at six points as well as julia natsupoi at five himika at four mina shirakawa at four koguma at four saki kashima at two and death actually got a win she got two points Blue Stars block, Konami leading the way at eight points, Micah at seven, Tam Nakano at six, Sayakamatani at six, Unagi Sayaka at five, Utami at five, Siri at five, Takumi Iroha at four, Azumi with two, and Ruaka with two. Blue Stars still very wide open. Vet, have you watched any stardom since we sat down and did that show? Are you keeping any kind of an eye on these girls? Sadly, not as much as I would. Uh, well, I, I was going I was going to say as much as I would like, but I think I am keeping it as much as I would like. Nothing against <laughs> them, but a little a little bit of Japanese girls dropping each other on their heads goes a long way. And I also just physically don't have the time to fit it in. Um, if, if, if it was just a matter of that, then I'd definitely throw it on more and follow follow along with it. But as for those uh, block standings, like, is that pretty much how you would expect it? Or are you surprised by anything that you're seeing there? I'm not too surprised by anything. Uh, Starlight Kid is by far the most interesting character inside of the world of stardom right now. Uh, for those not keeping up, vet. Uh, w- w- who was, well, who was, who was, uh, I, I think I saw Starlight Kid before, but who was the person that was doing the Lady C gimmick last time when I was watching? Or no, it's a little different. She had to win like a certain amount of matches to U- see if she gets to Unagi. Unagi was uh, yeah. was going through her her series of matches, and now she is the uh, current future of Stardom champion. So uh, she she has actually won herself a championship. She's doing okay. Um, That'd be great if they were like, we're still not sure. Yeah, we're still not <laughs> sure what we're gonna do with her. Yeah, yeah, it's still kind of up in the air. She's she's on match, you know, fifteen of her seven match series. I think the last time we talked, she was on like match eight of a seven match series, yeah, which is what, ridiculous. That's what it was. Uh, and is she in one of these blocks too? Did was that one of the names you threw yep, out there? She, she's at five points inside of the blue block, so she's kind of running right in the middle of the pack right at the moment. So and is there are there blocks like the A and B where they usually yep. put all the bums in one block and uh, the good people in the other block? Um, or is this more evenly split? I think this is pretty evenly split, just because I don't feel like there's that much division inside of Stardom right now. When I look at the the, the very very top. 
there's probably, you know, just a little bit of difference between all of the girls between number one and about number 10 inside of the company with, with maybe Mayu and Utami kind of being the exceptions at this point, just because they've been around for so long. Momo, who's been around forever. Um, the, the girls that are firmly established along with this kind of new crop. But Starlight Kid, hands down, the hottest thing going in stardom. She she was forced to join Oedo Tai when the Stars faction lost. Mayu vowed that she was going to go and she was going to get Starlight Kid back. She wins the match and Starlight Kid says, you know what, screw you. I'm going to stay with Oedo Tai. And so now we have that entire dynamic going on. She's leading the block. She won the high-speed championship. She's just full of fire right now. Make the money while it's hot. And right now, Starlight Kid, absolutely hot. Very good booking throughout the tournament. But with New Japan running so many shows, it's hard to watch all of the what New Japan's doing, all of what Stardom's doing. So just catching the, uh, the five-star Grand Prix matches, I feel like I'm missing stuff on the undercard, but... You can only do what you can do, you know. Yeah. Are they do and are they going to wrap this up before the G one starts? It's it finishes uh, September fifteenth, so right about the same time the G one okay. starts. So it's it's actually pretty cool the way that they do it. I do enjoy the tournament very, very much. Uh, let's move on to night two. Great Okan and Jeff Cobb get them some Ishii and Okada. 12 minutes and 45 seconds. The Eliminator from Okan to Ishii. Uh, this was kind of fun because it wasn't too long ago that they had this match. It was a six-man tag. I don't even remember who it was against. Bullet Club was on one side, and on the other side, it was the Mega Coaches and Tomohiro Ishii. And the Mega Coaches are trying to tell Ishii what to do, running all their stupid plays, and Ishii's having none of it. Ishii just wants to beat the shit out of evil. That's the only thing that Ishii wanted to do. This match was kind of that same way, except it was Okada. Okada was, like, fired up. He just wanted to get him some of Jeff Cobb, didn't care about what else was going on in the match. And then they put... The Great Okan over Tomohiro Ishii, which kind of makes me sick to my stomach, but just continuing the Jeff Cobb and Okada program for what feels like going on month four or five. Yeah, that's what that's what you got to do. I mean, again, we've we're limited in the people that we can use, so we've got to you know stretch things out a little yeah. bit. Not that they don't tell long term stories anyway. So, um, yeah, just just got to go back and reiterate think it was a mistake putting jeff cobb over um i definitely think it uh it should have been saved for something else to where it doesn't make okada look because now okada's losing way more than i feel like he should yep yep completely agreed if you if you're looking at something that you i don't know if okada's the answer if you're looking at something to try to get the people interested again like if if in fact people are just overwhelmed with new Japan and don't feel like going to watch it anymore or, or, you know, go out to these shows. And maybe that's the reason why some of the attendance is a little bit down. Um, I don't know if just, you know, leaning on Okada again is going to be the answer because the last time they did that, they started getting kind of Okada fatigue. And that's when they went with the whole, uh, you know, the smartly, they went with the, you know, balloons Okada is like, all right, let's beat him and get the people like wishing that they could see him win again. Well, that worked. The rehab of Okada worked and he went back to the Rainmaker stuff, but now he's losing as much as he did when he was balloon Okada, if not more. So it's not really working out. 
And I don't know that the United Empire is really getting the benefit uh, of, of this the way um, that Gato might think they would have. Especially with Osprey not over there to run his mouth about it. Right. I feel like that that's really hurting. Yeah. And so he's over. Yeah. So Osprey's over here doing stuff with New Japan Strong, which I'll be honest, I don't watch it. I, I like I don't want to. I don't want to see any of those guys. They're just a, a, an assortment of indie guys with special guest stars here and there. But none of those matches that I look at are like people I want to see or matches I'd like to see. So adding Will Ospreay to a mix of guys that I don't want to see is not going to help. And I assume I'm not alone in thinking that. Um, so I really think it, he'd be better served to sort of be a part of what's going on here, especially since he's got the whole, they're going to do the whole, uh, you know, Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels thing with, the, with those belts, yep. you know? Well, and now it, it's gotten bad enough. They're moving New Japan strong to Saturdays, which is pretty smart because they were running at the same time as Rampage. And the, the, the American audience is not going to tune in to a Japanese product over AEW Rampage right now. It, it just seems much smarter to kind of bump it over to Saturday night, even though you could watch it on demand, but people don't. What's the smaller cross-section? People that are watching live on a Japanese app or people that are watching a secondary AEW show live on cable. Um, I'll do you one better. Who's getting higher ratings? New Japan Strong or Impact Wrestling? Because I bet you it's pretty close. Yeah. Well, how do you, well, how do you rate an app? You know, like, I guess, right. I guess you count streams altogether, but. But I mean, they but they ain't given us that information. They're not WWE. They're not we had, right. you know, fans watched approximately 4.375 hours of content per week. Right. Yeah, I don't know, but um it's uh eh, it's a lot of eh. Yeah. A lot of diluted. People want like streaming services need content, but the the need and the pressure to create causes dilution because it's yep. it's or rush it's rushed you know so we get a lot of mediocre stuff uh, just so there's something to watch you yep. know and then yep absolutely El Desperado and Kanemaro capture the IWGP Junior Tag Team Championships for what feels like the 800th time from El Fantasmo and Taiji Ishimori 20 minutes and 28 seconds um this match was kind of fun I, I enjoyed this match, even though I feel like I've seen it a hundred times. Uh, but the whole, the way the finish goes down with them getting off El Fantasmo's loaded boot, El Desperado puts it on his hand, punches El Fantasmo in the face, and then screams like a little girl on the playground whose boyfriend just dumped her because he has busted his hand from the loaded boot and then punching El Fantasmo with it. The sell by El Fantasmo was brutal brilliant absolutely loved it i both of these teams typically i'm kind of meh like i like el phantasmo i like ishimori i like el desperado but in a tag team setting it, i feel like you take away everything that's great about them uh but this was actually a lot of fun i enjoyed this one yeah i agree i mean i, I like watching all these guys especially desperado and phantasmo um phantasmo so good everything he does is so good um, whether it's the 
actual mechanics of his aerial moves. Like he always is like right there for everything. He's not going to give you a errant knee to the face, like a Billy Kidman or somebody like he's, he's going to be right there where he's supposed to be. And if you're doing a move, he's going to be there for you. He catches everybody. You know what I mean? He's just a consummate professional. Plus he does so much comedic stuff in the match. That's very entertaining. The back rakes and all that. Um, just he, I, I can't put El Fantasma over enough for everything that he's done since he's been there. Uh, and as far and like Desperado, you know, a guy, a masked guy that exudes so much charisma for a masked guy, body language, everything. Um, he's he's great. Um, and the other guys are they're just like old pros, you know, veterans. They're there for everything that you need them to be. Ishimori and Kanemaru, they're they've been doing this for a minute, so. Sometimes you forget how old Ishimori is, you yeah. know, because he Cause still he looks like he's like, twelve. Yep, size wise and and skin wise. Yep, but he's like forty something. So he's uh so 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 this was good. And I always and I don't feel like we've seen this exact match eight hundred times. That's why I was a little more into it um, because it's like we've seen permutations of these guys and team, you right. know, multi mans and stuff like that. But once it's finally time to get down to the nitty gritty and find out who's going to win a title. Then it feels like a whole different match. And it's also two heels. So that's always can be entertaining if they're creative enough, which these guys are. So like you said, you the spot they laid out with the, with the shoe and him busting his hand using the shoe as a, as a boxing glove. Brilliant. Great. So good. of course we'll, we'll, we'll see a little bit later when he comes back out. Yeah. Which was even better. I mean, he's even on the microphone, El Desperado, just absolute money right now. Uh, Let's talk about your heavyweight tag team championships. The dangerous techers retain in the triple threat over Tetsuya Naito, Sonata, and the team of Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto. Um, I I like to call that team X-Pac Heat. Um, Vet, I, I, I thought for a triple threat tag match, if you're just into action, this was really, really good. But it was so chaotic. It was so disorganized. This match felt like it It, it was probably one of those 25-minute matches that felt like it was about 10. They just got so much stuff crammed into this match. What did you think? What did your vet eyes tell you? Because I'm guessing that you probably would have liked just a little bit more selling throughout this match. Probably. <laughs> I, I, my vet eyes glaze over when I see matches like this, when it's like a, when it's a three-way tag and it's like tag team wrestling in new Japan is iffy. I just accept it right? because what else can I do? Yeah, Cause I, it, I respect- it, if you didn't see it, it basically turns into like a tornado six man tag for at least half of the match. It just keeps yeah. breaking down. Yeah. So it's that that's how it is or or it's as it's also known a normal AEW tag team match <laughs> but but for for New Japan they always have just like a lot of stuff going on and these guys were like you said they're just doing so much and it, this is one of those ones that I can't enjoy as the art of it it's just a lot of moves happening so I just wait to see who wins you know that's the most important question who won um and it was a, re, a retention here which is good because that means it didn't go to the team X-Pac heat. <laughs> and it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like you'd really want to have Naito and Sonata be the tag team champions. So I guess, uh, I guess keeping it on the, 
you know, the Techers is, is fine. And we got the return of Miho Abe. Don't completely leave that out. That's always a special, special moment because she's as good of a worker as anybody else in the company. When you see, when yeah. you get to see her, when the camera is showing her, um, outside the outside the ring and just the little stuff she does in character to put put the matches over um probably the greatest valet of all time uh Mio Abe and I tried to send you a video a while ago and it I don't think it came through it was kind of it was kind of hard to see but it was it was a video of like in one of the matches that she she was back at uh they were fighting outside and the, the little guardrail gate busted open so she she like she just ran over there daintily and and went and closed the gate uh you know just just so helpful you know just so, so good um men so, find yeah, yourself a highlight for me find yourself a woman that looks at you like mihoabe looks at taichi i mean just the, the the absolute adoration that she has for taichi um speaking of adoration for taichi what the hell's going on with Tetsuya Naito, Sonata, and Taichi and his pecs? Like, the, the, this story is getting out of control. There's, like, some kind of erogenous relationship going on here between the dangerous techers and LIJ. And I'm, I'm just, I'm ready for it to be over with. I'm sure that they find it as comedy on the card. I do yeah. not. I'm just like, what, what are we doing? Yeah, it, it, it's like... Uh... The, the way I read this situation is that um, that Lij is clearly mocking Tai Chi, and Tai Chi is leaning into it completely. Like you're not going to make fun of me. I'm going with it, and I'm going to make fun of you. And now it's like a game of chicken of like who's gonna like who's gonna you know back off with this whole uh, this whole thing. So so like in that sense, I I see what they're doing. I think it's funny, um, but uh, but yeah, I guess it's not for everyone. <laughs> it's just. It's too much. It's just too much, especially Naito and Taichi. And then the peck contest between Sonata and Taichi. Like, I, I want to see these characters as more serious than that. You know what I mean? It's just, it does not. Well, when, you, when, you, when you're in the situation where you're in a triple threat tag team match, like, how serious can you really take it? I mean, valid. I, you, you kind of you look for these moments just to entertain yourself, like, in this in this craziness so especially they're doing but. especially when you have yoshi bon jovi and and hiroki goto on the other side of the ring i mean right which you know once again i just feel like i should say i should uh state emphatically hiroki goto did nothing wrong and yet here <laughs> and yet here he is uh poor guy um just that that's one guy what now th this is a good um time to bring this up i can ask you this it gets your perspective on it your learned perspective as a doctor uh why did they never pull the trigger on goto it seemed like they wanted to at multiple times and then decided against it so what what do you think that was because i wasn't really a party to all that that's a great question and i will answer it right after this break Welcome to Hami Media Group, or as the cool kids say, HMG. We're here to provide you with the very best entertainment alternative media has to offer. Thank you to all our supporters who have made us what we are today. Follow us on social media, video, and podcast platforms at Hami Media Group. Become a subscriber to Hami Media Group at Patreon.com for great free daily content as well as off-the-top-rope extras. 
Subscribe to our affiliate Patreon channels with a plethora of fun content on various tiers that will bring tears of joy to your eyes. Vince Russo's The Brand, The Rip Rogers FR Podcast, Stevie Ray TV, Goldilocks, The A Show with Aaron Stevens and April Hunter, The Two Man Power Trip, Velvet Sky and Angelina Love, The Beautiful People, and now, The Larry Hankin Stories. Support your favorite HMG and independent pro wrestling talent at ProWrestlingTees.com. Enjoy the ultimate meal with Zordo's Ultra Premium Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Head over to ZordosOliveOil.com. Start your day with the best cup of joe, bro. Try a fantastic selection of flavorful coffee blends at TheBrosters.com. StevieRichardsFitness.com. Get off that couch and make a healthy change without leaving your home. Amazing resistance band and yoga workout programs at an affordable price that will help you become a band new you. Hear from the pros who live the biz, bro, with talent that have worked for every major organization led by the man who put the attitude back in pro wrestling and in your ear holes. It's got to be Russo'sBrand.com, bro. Again, we'd like to thank you for joining us here at HMG. And now it's time to be entertained. So if I remember correctly, the last time we were on, when you watched that Stardom show, that was Bea Priestley's last show inside of Stardom before she left for NXT UK and Bea Priestley became Blair Davenport. And there was a, a phrase that we use inside of the world of stardom that goes, Momo show pie. And that all started with Bia Priestley because Momo sucks. That was the joke. Momo sucks. Goto show pie. Oh. Goto sucks. Uh, Goto, I, I, I like to think of Goto as the Roman Reigns of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, he is the guy that they, they wanted to go with Goto. Every, I mean, look at the guy. Right? Like, he is the quintessential, like, samurai, warrior, traditional Japanese. Like, everything about the guy says Goto should be a big deal. Fans just don't get behind Goto. Like, there's there's the, the, that emotional connection. Goto has never hit it with the New Japan audience. Very much like Roman Reigns until this new character. Just everything about the guy says... Yes, he is the guy. He is the man. He just could not connect with the audience on that level. And rather than pushing Goto down our throats and giving him the title, New Japan just backed off. But they do try every once in a while. They'll be like, hey, you guys like Goto now? No? No? Okay, back to the tag division with you. You know, and, and that, that's kind of what's going on with Hiroki Goto. Okay, well, I mean, I get it because I feel the same way. Like, he just doesn't connect with me in that way. <laughs> But and, you look at the guy and it's like, what? what is he missing? Well, I, I think that is part of it because when I look at the guy, the first thing I see is his big fat head. And I guess... That, that was almost be, a spit take right there. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it was a swallow take. So that's, <laughs> that's a different kind of take. But um, it, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's what I see first. And maybe that's what everybody else sees. They just, but, but like, there's nothing about it. I wouldn't necessarily say there's nothing he does that sucks. It's no. just that he's just not quite 
on that level. The difference is with your analogy, though, is they did pull the trigger on Roman Reigns and shoved him. So right. at least they didn't. New Japan didn't make that mistake. But you know, he he won multiple G one, so it makes it mm-hmm. seem like he like they were ready to do something with him, and then just not quite. Yep. Um, and he's capable of having a pretty decent match with anybody. But I guess you just get locked in your spot, like on on the card as as how they see you. Um, and there's not much you can do to really elevate that. Uh, so, but, but yeah, okay. Well, just just wondered if something had happened in the past, or or if there was no. ever a moment that that you thought it might have been Goto's time. But uh, I there there were several times, and I think it was just as an American wrestling fan, we watched what the WWE was doing with Roman Reigns. There were many times I thought it was going to be Goto's time. I never thought that it should be Goto's time, but I thought they were going to go there, and they just. Always held back, just like no, no, you guys don't like Goto, huh? Okay, except for A Track Brown. A Track Brown loves him. I don't. Doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I liked. I liked when he was wearing like the, like what do you call those pants that? Um, the hammer pants. Were they? They were like the, the. They look like the more traditional, like sort of bushido. Oh yeah. He actually wrestled in those at, at yep. a certain period of time. Maybe what was that back in like 08 or 09 yeah. or somewhere in there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if he did it all the time or if I he mean, just broke it out for big matches, but he just looks uh, like a samurai warrior, like everything about him. And and even when he came stateside and he went and he trained with Shibata for a while and then he came back and they pushed him for a little while and people were like, meh. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and blame the fat head. I think that's really what it comes down to. He kind of looks like Modoc in I, that I, sense. I kind of wonder, and I, I made this case once upon a time, I, maybe a year ago, that they should turn Goto and put him in Lij, like just just like completely change his attitude, completely repackage the look, and try something else with him because. He's got a good look. He can go in the ring. He can talk a little bit. Like, there's no reason that it doesn't work. Is it, maybe it's just inauthenticity to where people just don't buy Hiroki Goto. Like, try something else with the guy rather than just the same thing over and over and over because it's clearly not working. Well, if, if, if what he's doing now isn't working and what he's doing then isn't working, then trying to be an LIJ definitely wouldn't work. I don't think he could have pulled it off. Well, I mean, even I, I see the, the Empire or, you know, like put him in the House of Torture. Like Goto would fit well in the House of Torture for me. Yes. <laughs> I'm a terrible uh, well, human being. Terrible. Well, I mean, you know, he brought it on himself. Let's talk G1 announcements. That's where we get him at this point in the show. A Block. IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Shingo Takagi leading the way. Tomohiro Ishii, can't wait to see those two guys pair off. Night one, I believe. That's going to be a lot of fun. Tatsuya Naito and Zack Sabre Jr. Yano and Kenta, that one should be a lot of fun. I'm guessing Kenta's just going to want to kick Yano's head off, assuming that he's over the COVID. Great Okan, Tango Loa, Yujiro Takahashi, I know he's your pick to come out of the block. And of course, the winner of the last two G1 Climaxes, Kota Ibushi, inside of the A block. Vet, as I'm looking at this thing, my immediate thought is, they can't do it again, can they? That You can't put Ibushi over three years in a row. Can you? You, I mean, you can, but should you? Right? I don't know. It's, uh, 
this this last thing where you know he was saying like he's never gonna quit and he's never gonna leave and all this other stuff and, and then, then he quit and he left yeah and- <laughs> yeah which which again like i'm sure that's not what he meant <laughs> he didn't plan on this happening but uh but nonetheless it happened and so like at some point you may just realize like even if you could count on the guy like as a stand-up guy the world may just have different plans for him um so we can't make any promises like no no human being can fully make promises you never know what's going to happen so i don't know if they want to try it again uh personally i always look at kota ibushi as just a backyard wrestler that took it a little too far so like i'm not really with him is he doesn't really fit with a lot of the new japan top guys um as in terms of like the way he puts matches together and right. things like that it is he he's not a great worker so he's just he's good at flipping and kicking and that's about it um so i wouldn't be sad if they don't do it um and i don't even really know how over he was i think it's one of those cases it might have been like a, like i know people liked him i know he has his fans but maybe that's a goto situation where the people aren't getting as much behind him as they hoped they would or yeah. I, I don't know, but if I had to guess, looking at this field, he's as good a choice as some of the others. So, well, to me, the three that really stand out are Abushi, Kenta. If they actually want to make that push with Kenta, they don't, and I, I don't think so either. Um, the other option is Shingo Takagi coming out of the A block, um, of course. They don't do it very often. It's not very often that the champion goes and wins a tournament like the G1 Climax or the New Japan Cup or the Cinderella. It's only happened once, right? Right. With the Chono, I think, was it? Yeah, it has not happened in recent memory in any way, shape, or form. But even his one, wasn't there some extenuating circumstance behind that? Like, it was a shortened... It, shortened season it, or something it was like, like it was a it, i forget if it was a shortened season or if they just had a really really small field yeah that it was year like the smallest g1 it was like eight ever. people or something like that if i remember right yeah something weird um this year i feel like it would make sense for shingo takagi to win the g1 climax even though he is the iwgp world heavyweight champion because this is his opportunity to get Osprey over here to unify the titles, right? If the champion wins, he can name his own challenger. So I, that more than most years, I could make a case for Shingo to win the G1 this year. I, I think you're right. I think you're on to something with that. And that's probably in, in terms of their, um, their philosophy of booking and where they have things, uh, their roadmap planned out. I think that is probably the best choice. Um, but we'll see. I mean, especially yeah. when you're running the three nights of wrestle kingdom, you got to come up with three main events for wrestle kingdom, which right. You're you know. going to have that is this, this would be probably where Hiromu gets his dream of main eventing a wrestle kingdom yep. because it's going to be on that third one that no one gives a fuck about. Right. The third one or the first one, would you do night one in the Tokyo dome or would you do night three in Yokohama with, with Hiromu on top? If I was them, I'd do night three. Cause it's still like, it's still in a way it's giving the junior short shrift. 
Yeah. So like you won't have to like, well, you did main event at Wrestle Kingdom, but it was a whole other dome that barely counts. Right. Like that kind of fits more in, I think, with the idea. So that's what I would do. Um, but take a look at see. the B block. Kazushka Okada, always a threat to win the G1 Climax. This year seems like it makes a lot more sense than than some others. Hiroshi Tanahashi, I mean, how do you bet against the ace? If, if they decide that they want to go with the ace, they go with the ace. The rest of the block, not quite as overwhelming. We have Hiroki Goto. Maybe we see the push again with Goto this year. Finally time. Tight. What was he won? Two or three? Uh, three, I believe. Okay, this could be a record. Yeah, let's let's go for it, right? Uh, tai Chi could get his first big singles push. Sonata, of course, who they they tried to push, and it's kind of like Goto, where it just it works to a certain point, and then it just kind of falls apart. Tama Tonga, tag team wrestler, clearly not going to win. Jeff Cobb, I don't feel like is elevated to that point as of yet. Chase Owens, I know he might be your pick to win the whole thing. Yoshi Bon Jovi, and of course, Evil which we're going to talk a bit more here in a couple minutes about evil and where he is inside of the company. Should we look at evil as like a legitimate threat to win the G one climax? If he's in B block at this point, I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you just named a lot of people that have no chance of winning right in a row. Right. And is it, why is it that, they do that where they load up one block with contenders and then the B block is just, I don't think I've ever seen Okada in the B block before. And, and I, maybe that's why I feel like so strongly that he just runs through the B block. Yeah. But I don't know, you know, I, I don't know what they have planned for him, but whatever, whatever, whatever they're thinking, Okada's heavily involved there. He's heavily mm-hmm. figured in. So it, I think that, um, they've got to have something for him if he's not going to be in this title picture. So what is that? What will he do? Because his character only cares about the uh, the the championship, the whatever the main championship is. So the IWGP that, Divas Championship. That's right. He wants that. Um, so if you don't give him that, you're going to have to give him something more worthwhile to go into this coming up Wrestle Kingdom to do. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if he's the answer. Uh, I don't know if you could go wrong with him. Like if you decided, all right, look, until this shit gets back to normal, <laughs> we're going to put the belt on Okada and just run like, right. you know, this is, this is 20, you know, 2016 or t- whatever. Yeah. Another 720 days of Okada. <laughs> yeah. You know, who gives a damn if the people are sick of it, they're not showing up anyway. So yeah, right. just, just, just keep it on the guy that everybody knows. And that's more intriguing for, you know, the overseas fan that has only heard of a couple of people from New Japan, but they know him. And he's one of the guys that's like a legitimate draw. So I I could see, you know, if they want to look at it that way, they could go with him at any point and it's probably not a wrong decision. Um, I just kind of feel like there's a lot of substitutes running around holding belts, you know, Will Ospreay, Shingo Takagi's. I just like as good as they are at times, I don't look at those guys as the guys. Like, I just don't like, I don't necessarily see Shinko Takagi as the guy he's doing a good job being put in that role. I don't think anybody can dispute that, but just looking at him and, and the kind of, you know, character that he is, the, the presence that he has, I just not really quite at that level. 
Um, if so I me- need if I need an interview on TV Asai uh, from you know somebody at New Japan Pro Wrestling, and they say, "Well, we can send you the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Shingo Takagi." Uh, the person on the other end of the phone is going to say, "Can we get Okada? Can we get Tanahashi?" Like is Shingo is great, and I, I think Shingo might be the wrestler of the year in 2021. If you just look at his in ring work and what he has done, the the resume he has put together, but he does not have that star power. He is not that mega star that those guys are at this point. Right, and it's 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 the window is closing to get to that point because he's not a young man. Right. Uh, so, I mean. It took Tanahashi, he he built that career. Right. You know, he wasn't just thrust into it at at in his late 30s. Right. You know, I mean, Okada's not even in his late 30s. Yeah, Shingo's way older than Okada at this point. Yeah. So, like, I just, you know, again, I think this is one of those things that they're trying to, they're trying to do whatever they can. I think they're throwing some things at the wall. They're trying to create a spark and see if people do get behind. Maybe if Goto came along in the pandemic era, they'd be trying Goto. Uh, like he, they would have pulled the trigger on him. Who knows? Um, but I, I just see that. Clearly, the answer is Master Wado. I mean, clearly, that is the answer. Well, first, if he moves up to heavyweight, that's first. That's his first step on the path to being a grandmaster. We don't need any junior grandmasters. You got to be a heavyweight to be a grandmaster. You, you heard who he is being trained by now. No, Kota Ibushi. Oh God, no! I mean, all the all the great things that we can say about Kota Ibushi. Kota Ibushi raising the next generation of professional wrestlers. Not on the list of things that I, I want from Kota Ibushi at this point. That terrifies me. Yeah, I don't. Uh... I don't know about that, but I mean, if you just look at the, it, it, the, the surface of it, like I could see why people would think that it's like, well, here's a guy that does kicks and here's another guy that wants to do kicks. So let's put these guys together. It's so Vince McMahon, right? Oh, they're both wearing blue. Let's put them together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's That's basically <laughs> it. So that's as, as far as the thought process goes, but I mean, you know, if he can teach the kid a kick or two, that's fine. I mean, I'm not against it. Let's talk about a couple guys who do know some kicks. Hiromu Takahashi challenging Robbie Eagles for Mr. Belto. Uh, The conversation between Hiromu Takahashi and Mr. Belto a couple of days back was absolutely fantastic. And now Robbie Eagles knows that Hiromu is nuts. But we also know that Mr. Belto hates Hiromu Takahashi because Hiromu has had to give him up twice now. And Mr. Belto does not want to go back to Hiromu. Imagine this, Vet. We're building a storyline between somebody in Los Ingobernables and a championship. That would never work, right? That would. It's working for me. But here's the thing. When, when, um, one of the things I always say in my wrestling philosophy is if you're telling me that there's some sort of like, uh, well, let's, let's say there's a doll, for instance, on Monday Night Raw that has supernatural abilities and powers, right? Great example. You're telling me that I'm going to say, um, fuck you and don't ever talk to me again. Um, if you're telling me that Alexa Bliss is crazy and she thinks that there's a doll that has powers and she's talking to the doll and no one else can hear this doll. 
and she's clearly doing the voice of the doll. <laughs> that, that is a completely different presentation, and I can buy that because, unlikely though it may be, it could happen. Um, and that's what we're seeing is the difference. We're seeing a professional wrestler who, whether he's actually lost his mind or is just trying to be entertaining, he's making a character out of his championship belt. And, and I mean, we've seen it before. We, we've seen it with Daryl. We've seen it with Daryl Jr. We've seen it with Noru. We've seen it with the big books come best of super juniors. Like this is so on character for Hiromu. And if the performer believes it, then the audience can buy into it. Whereas yes. I, when I see what Alexa Bliss is doing right now, she doesn't buy this shit. She's doing as, the best she can with absolute dog shit material, right? But I mean, Hiromu and the narrative that is established around him is he's batshit insane. And everything about Hiromu is batshit insane, whether it's his interviews, whether it's his clothes, whether it's his hair, whether it's the stuffed animals that he carries around with right. him. It, it works. So it's, so it's this guy, you know, it's, it's, it is, it is him. Uh, and it's not them trying to really tell you that this belt is really talking to him. That's the difference. So if you present something, you have to present it in a realistic manner. And that's one thing you don't normally have to worry about new Japan doing. They're not going to do anything stupid, um, you know, and impossible. Um, so, so that being said, all this stuff is very funny and he's a perfect example. I was talking with John Enright about this, that he's a guy that you bring over for the American audience because he will get over instantly with anybody. Um, what he, because I saw how they reacted to Maki Ito. Right. And that's and, not the same thing. Well, I, I just I I worry that the American audience would take one look at Hiromu and his stuffed cats and people would be like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? They would. But if you keep doing it and you keep seeing it, it will grow on you. I mean, look, anytime think of the first time you saw Hiromu. I mean, were you just on board from day one or did you were well, like, what is this I mean, guy doing? I mean, I was on board from day one, but it was because right. I knew who Hiromu was. I knew a Kamatashi in Mexico and the battles with Dragon Lee. So, I mean, I, I was invested before he even returned. Right. So, but you, you, but you see what he's doing and it's just, it makes you want, because he has a way of being entertaining that translates even if he doesn't get promo time. He's all in. Even if all you saw was him walk out with, a stuffed cat and have a match hit everything he does can get himself over inside the ropes. And then if you give him the extra, um, you know, production values around it to sort of get his stuff over, um, then I think he's, he's easily very likable uh, for, for like a non, you know, compared to other Japanese guys who are mostly like very straightforward when they come here. So I think he's exactly what the kind of person that thinks that, Japan and Japanese wrestling is a certain way. If they've got it stereotyped in their head, like a lot of us probably did before we actually saw it. Right. Um, then shout out big Ray Hernandez. He, yeah. So then, so then he, I think he would be a, a quicker barrier, like a, a, a weaker barrier to entry than some of the other guys, because he is immediately universally, like you understand, you, you see him, you just see, Oh, okay. I, it's punk rock from the eighties kind of deal. Just the visuals right there. You see, he's different. Um, he, he works a, a style that can be uh, whatever it needs to be. He can just straight hit you. Or he can do those, you know, flying and flipping and right. stuff like that. So 
he he would know where to uh where to put that stuff in to get over anywhere he goes so i'm not saying i'm not suggesting that i want to see him do that but i'm saying like he's going to get more over than fucking fred rosser in new japan strong you know what i mean like what, what are we doing with that so yep. so uh that that's just an observation i had there but um i do love the belts on stuff and uh every pretty much everything he does and um this match though uh while it was a fine match this was another one of those shocking things like i really didn't think robbie eagles was walking right. out of this i thought he was keeping the belt warm um, um he, the thing that's interesting to me is there's been so much talk about Hiromu wants to headline the Tokyo Dome. Uh, he wants to headline a Wrestle Kingdom as a junior heavyweight. He wants to see the junior heavyweight championship headline the Tokyo Dome. Okay, great. My response to that has always been you have to have somebody on the other side of you that is worthy of facing you in the main event of the Tokyo Dome. And, and that's the problem I have with the junior division right now. Who is that right opponent? Do, do you go to El Desperado? Do you go? Do you bring over Dragon Lee? Who do you put opposite of Hiromu in the main event of the Tokyo Dome? Because it sure as hell ain't Robbie Eagles. It's, it's not Robbie Eagles. I I don't know who that is. I don't know if they have somebody now that could do it. I mean, obviously, it doesn't matter. They could just do it anyway and let it succeed or fail. But right. Um, but I. I I'm not sure. I think the Desperado thing could have been, uh, it could have been a good one. Um, if he wasn't irreparably damaged by losing to Robbie Eagles in the first place. Right. Um, cause that, that kind of puts a, a speed bump in the build of that match if they wanted to do that. So they might have to go outside and bring in, uh, you know, a dragon Lee or a Ryu Lee or whatever the fuck he's called these days. Right. Um, or it could be somebody completely different. I, I'm not sure. I do assume though, that when they start talking like this in their promos and stuff, that's because they were told that that's the direction that they're going to go. So start hyping it up now, you know? And um, now it seems as though we are going to get a rematch between El Desperado and Robbie Eagles. Despy comes out at the end of this match and, cuts one hell of a promo and it explains to Eagles, listen, you're, you're probably wondering why I'm out here. You beat me for the championship and I understand that, uh, but I want another shot. And you talked about, you know, the whole double champion thing. Well, I'll put up my IWGP junior tag team championship against you and a partner of your choosing who it, we would find out is Tiger Mask. So it'll be Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask versus Despy and Kanemaru for the junior tag titles. And with that match as collateral, Robbie Eagles has agreed to give El Desperado another shot at the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Do you go into Tokyo Dome with Despy as the champion and Hiromu chasing? Or do you do it the other way around? Which What's the better way to do it? Babies up at Wrestle Kingdom? Yes, because people would buy a ticket to see Hiroma win it. I think that would be the idea, right? Um, th they wanted to be there when he won it at Wrestle Kingdom in a main event. That, that's, I think that their audience can be that type of audience that finds a certain prestige in that, like being able to say they were there, right. um, that that could be a draw, like to be part of a history-making thing. So I would definitely do that. 
um, if I was going to do that at all. Um, but, um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very, uh, is that enough? Strange. Is that enough? Because I mean, you saw the best of super juniors final between Despy and Hiromu. We, we, we saw Despy take his mask off and, and everything that was attached there. Can you just do that match straight up for the title? Or do you put another stipulation on it? Like hair versus mask? Hmm. To be honest with you, I really don't think they can ever recreate the magic that happened that night. I think when you try to recapture it, it's not going to come off the same. I'm sure they'd have a great mm-hmm. match, but that was like a one-time only deal. Like it, it, when you watch that, that there's stuff that transcends like just what we do, putting together phony fights and and stuff like right. that. There's there was a lot there that they really brought to it. And I don't think they can do it again the same way. So I don't, I also don't know if a stipulation would help with that, or if that would just be contributing to the fact that you're trying to recapture the magic. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if that would hurt it or, or, or make it better, you know, it, it, it's and, tough. And I don't want to see Desperado without the mask. He's got the best mask in wrestling. So I don't want him to, uh, I don't know how he emotes the way that he does under that mask. It, 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 the eyes, the mouth, the the way he tilts his head, everything is just so freaking good, so good. Yeah. Plus, it just looks cool. Yeah. Um, just right? straight up looks cool on the surface of it. So, yep. so I don't want to see him lose that. Um, but I don't know. Maybe they will go in a whole different direction. But that's why we watch. We watch to find out, right? Let's talk about your main event. It goes for 30 minutes and 20 seconds. That's right. The House of Torture in full effect is evil falls to the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Shingo Takagi. Vet, I hated this match. Um, I felt like this was kind of all out going into this match where it was like, I'm looking at like these two shows and I'm like, I'm yeah, pumped for this. Like that looks really good. That looks really good. And then your main event has Christian Cage in it. And I'm just like, really? And I kind of felt that way with Evil, you know, where it was just like, we're doing this again? Why are we doing this again? And then 30 minutes, no Evil match should ever go over 15 minutes. And you got Dick Togo involved. You got Show involved. You got Dick Togo involved again. And then you got Yujiro involved. And then you got all of all LIJ, except for Hiromu, because his knee was hurting and he's still selling it. Like, everybody else comes out. And it's just like, oh, my God, it's another fucking evil match. I'm like, I'm just... In a main event context, I'm tired of seeing evil and evil's bullshit. And it's not even against evil. I like evil as a talent. He's just not a main event talent to me, and this is not a main event act. Yeah, I think evil was in that sort of like a that purgatory of like the the bottom of the top or the top of the middle. Yep. Like in terms of like where your where your spot is, like you. You want to do something with him in the main events, but he's just a little too much of a gimmick, you know, and then turning heel and joining the bullet club was a thing. Um, But I still felt like it was one of those things where they were just trying to do something to see how, you know, how it panned out. Not because that they really believed in evil and wanted to, to do this with him. So um, 
I'm not as uh, I'm not as down on the match or as him as you are, but um, I will say that it was so like the the anticipation built for this match was so poor that I forgot who Shingo was even fighting until like the day before. I had to right. ask. Um, and so- all the outside interference, I just I. I I'm fine with the bullet club shenanigans, right? Like they, they, they don't bother me until it gets to Kenny with the title until it gets to AJ with the title evil going for the title Jay with the title. Like, and there's so much of it. I mean, I think we had what six, seven other guys involved inside of this match other than the two competitors and the referee. And it just, it just goes on for too long. There, there, there's too much Tom fuckery in an evil match for it to be main event to me. Is Tom fuckery one of the guys that's on new Japan strong right now? Yep. Yep. He's uh he's one of the young lions that Shabbat is stretching in the dojo as we speak. Okay. Well, I don't know if I see a bright future for that. That'd kid, be a great fuckery, indie name. Wouldn't it? <laughs> don't think someone hasn't thought of it. Um, but uh, yeah. So yeah, the bullet club shenanigans, they are what they are. You just kind of accept it. I guess they just wanted to, make Shingo look like better for overcoming all of it. I think that was really the main point of it. Um, and to pull some time because it's less matches on these cards. So yes, yeah, it's kind of unfortunate, but what happened to Shingo? Like Shingo was like the coolest dude in the entire company. And then he won the championship and now he has to play champion. And it's like his hair is even done differently. And now he's got a different mask and he carries himself a little different. Like, what the hell happened? He's slightly fatter because he's getting a little more money and probably eats more. Right? Like, it's just, uh, it's so weird to me. Like, it, it, I don't know. And, and the other thing that's weird is you have Shingo, who is in LIJ, that is led by Naito, but Shingo's the champion, against Evil, who is, best case scenario, the number three guy in Bullet Club. Well, who else right now is, I mean... It seems like it's a very splintered, uh, splintered faction right here. Um, it's a splintered but- roster because even you know when we look at everything else that was going on on this card, you take everybody else out of that. Who do you put into that spot? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think there was a viable main event to be had here with the people that they had, and that's kind of why Evil got the spot. Um, and I but, think that's kind of why people are kind of shitting on New Japan right now. Because it's somebody it like be. evil. Because we, I mean, maybe, well, we we just have to look inward and see what makes us enjoy New Japan. And I think part of what you and I both like about New Japan is that there's a comfort aspect to being able to turn on a, an event and kind of just know like, okay, these are the guys and right. these are the up and coming guys. And these are the middle guys. Like we kind of know where everybody is. And I think they've been a lot more experimental lately um, because they want to, and I assume it's because, and I could be wrong, but I, like I've said multiple times already here, I assume it's because they're trying to ignite a spark and see if it changes the public opinion about certain talents in any way. Um, I don't know if it has or hasn't, um, but uh, since I'd have to say, since they keep on trying it, it must not be working. So they keep trying to see if anybody will work. Um, but yeah, taking just just looking at the guys that have been the 
IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Kota Ibushi, Will Ospreay, Shingo Takagi, all guys that are fine, but are they're varying degrees for me of take it or leave it. Yeah. Like if all these guys disappeared from the company tomorrow, I wouldn't be too sad about it. So what does that tell you? I, I just, they, they just don't feel like it, it. Maybe, maybe that's what, maybe that's what they think of the world heavyweight championship. They don't want to give it to like, they, they want to play around with this new belt. Right. And then they don't want to give it to like the established older guys because they don't want to tarnish the guy. <laughs> like they're afraid right. of the belt tarnishing the guy. Maybe they think this Divas Championship would tarnish Okada. Maybe they think it would tarnish Naito. Maybe they think it would tarnish Tanahashi. So they give it to the the next generation of possible guys. And then maybe one day they'll like say, you know what? The Intercontinental Championship and IWGP Championship are different championships. And then they get rid of this little Decepticon belt. And then uh, and then they, they go back to the old thing. And then they start putting the belts back on guys that are unquestionably at the top. Not maybe at the top or kind of at the top. We'll see. But, I mean, I don't know. Do you, Does any of that kind of make sense, what I'm saying? You just convinced me. That Hiroki Goto is going to win the G1. All right. I'm looking forward to it. I, yeah, I, he I, did I, nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong. Well, I mean, just the way that you lay that out there, you know, like we're going to go with some different guys. We're going to try this. We're going to try that. And it's just like, fuck, it's Goto's turn again. God oh, damn yeah, what's, it. What's the best of both worlds? <laughs> Somebody that we haven't gone with before, but is still old. Yeah, like, I mean. Go. <laughs> let's oh. go, Goto. Always a great time sitting down with you, Vet. Why don't you go ahead, plug your social media, plug all the shows that you're doing over there at the Realm Network through Hameen Media. Tell us everything you got going on these days. Well, you can find me at Opinion Haver everywhere, whether it's Twitter or Instagram. I'm not on Facebook anymore, so don't look for me there. Um, but uh, everywhere else that you can type in Opinion Haver, I'll probably pop up in some form or fashion. And everybody else is just a pretender. And as for shows... Um, well, um, it was a pleasure to be on Destino, but you can see me regularly on the Next Level Wrestling Review, which will be with, uh, as we record this, um, I'll be doing it uh, tomorrow morning. And that's, so that's going to be Wednesday mornings um, at 11 Eastern uh, with, uh, with Big Ray, as long as we're still going live. I don't know when that's going to change, but for now, you can join us on YouTube for Next Level Wrestling Review. And then you can catch me on the Impact Attack whenever Colin gets a chance to do it. And uh, usually around Sunday night, maybe it could be going to Monday nights. Who knows uh, if we're going live? But you can see me on that Impact Attack. I do pop in once in a while for uh, the uh, Smack Attack if I have to cover for either um, James McIver or John Enright. Uh, sometimes I'll just hop in with both of them because they want me to be there and, and tell a couple of marks how things really are in the business. Man, I cut such a scathing promo on the WWE last time I was there. I think it hurt their feelings and they had to make sure to, uh, you know, bring bring Becky Lynch back and put her on TV more. Um, Call an all talent yeah. meeting, tear up all the scripts. Right. Yeah. Oh, that didn't like it. <laughs> Get rid of this shit. No, man, I, I'm against that. I think Vince McMahon should just go with the script he gets handed and let them fail. Like it can't be worse than what we're getting. Just, right. Just give it a shot. Um, but yeah. And then, uh, and then I was also recently on the uh, RTW re rewind with rad Rob. And we, we talked about uh, favorite comedy movies. 
we talked about a thousand movies. We forgot about another thousand movies. So uh, we'll, we'll, I'm, I'm currently putting together an annex of comedy movies that we forgot to talk about for whatever my next appearance is. But um, if that's not enough for you, I don't know what to tell you. I got one for the top of the list. Rad Rob will be a huge fan of. Oh, yeah. What's that? Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. Ooh. Yes. So it's a so we're going in the unintentional comedy route. Oh eh? yes, Rad Rob would love to sit down and watch that show. Huge Kiss fan, totally talked him into it. He was completely anti-Kiss until I went on and we did an episode 1974 to 1979. And you know what he did? He agreed with everything that I said throughout the entire hour and a half. It was glorious. <laughs> glorious. I get that sense. I mean, there was a lot of stuff where it was like, you know, to summarize the episode, it was a lot of it was a lot of me going, what about this? And be like, yeah, and I was like, what? And then him being like, well, I haven't seen it since I was blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, give it another chance. Like, right? it was that for two hours. Fantastic. <laughs> Great stuff. Be sure to check that out. Vet, thanks so much, man. We'll do this again soon. All right. Thank you. So that's going to wrap things up for this Grand Slam edition of Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Then toss us one of those five-star reviews. Help us out in the algos. Destino is brought to you by our friends over at the HTM Podcast Network, Comedy Media Group, the PW Hustle Network, the Pro Wrestling Coalition, and NBPW.com. Find the show online at DestinoPod.com, across all social media at DestinoPod. Keep up with me on social media at NotJargo. Very special thanks to the vet for joining me on this special edition. I will be back soon to talk some G1 and wrap up the five-star Grand Prix. Until then, find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, be it Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, or iHeartRadio. Enjoy the calm before the storm, ladies and gentlemen. I will be back in your ear holes soon with an all-new episode of Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling Podcast. Until next.